0: One of our long-standing friends is Dwayne and Chris White, all the way from Texas. And uh, as you know, Dwayne leads the network, the O2 Network. There, I visited earlier with them this year as they celebrated the 10-year celebration of their church in the Bridge in Denton. And it was such a privilege to be with them. It's a real honour for us, uh, Natasha and myself, to have Chris and Dwayne as friends and to just, you know, share with each other, and uh, sometimes the challenge is, you know, we live on different continents, but thankfully for Skype and things like that, we can get contact with each other every now and then, and um, he's been spending a bit of time in different places already, and ministering in the country on Wednesday. He was a ministering with us away uh, as a leadership team, as we had a time away to consider and really pray and wait on the Lord for just some of the new things that God wants to do at Hatfield. And we'll be sharing some of that with you in due course, but His prophetic ministry really helped us in that time. With Him, He's got a couple of people from their from the network that has joined Him, and the wonderful ladies in the front here, first of all, that have joined us is Rachel, Ashley, Holly, and Naomi. If you guys can just stand up and uh, just give a good and wave to everybody and just just what make them feel welcome and uh, then we've got Mike and Cody, Dwayne's son, uh, but they in the Reverb service. Cody is ministering there this morning, and uh, Dwayne will also be ministering tonight at the evening service, so if you want to have just more of the Texan wonder and amazement of what they bring to us always, then please come and join in that. Won't you join me, Dwayne, and, and won't you just get ready to open your hearts? I, I believe the word that Dwayne has for us this morning, he's preached at the South Church already, so I know what's coming, um, and I know that it's God's word for us for today. And uh, he's always a blessing And uh, I just want to say in front of everybody I love you very much and really appreciate you And it's always, you choose your friends according to their hair (laughs) So, you know, I have more hair in our conversation So, bless you you
1: That's great, thank you How are you doing today? Oh, that was pretty weak Let me try it again How are you doing today? Wonderful. That's much, much better. I trust that you are. I just want to say what an honor and a privilege it is for me and all of our team to be here. Uh, My wife sends her love and greetings. She was sad that she wasn't able to make it. She loves this nation, and she loves this house, and she loves Pastor Louis, Pastor Natasha. My wife and Natasha get along like we would say in Texas, like two peas in a pod. I don't know that that translates, but there you go. You get the idea. They're, they're great friends, and they love to spend time together. Well, how many of you are ready for the Word today? Come on now. you you're, you're, you, you got to wake up this morning. How many of you are ready for the Word today? Yeah, I, I'm from Texas, so I preach better when you respond. I've trained my church to shout at me. The only thing they don't do is throw shoes. So you, come on now, you can, you can respond. And actually, the more you respond, the shorter I preach. Cause then I know you're getting it. Turn with me to the media team. We're going to skip Psalms. We're going to go straight to Isaiah chapter two. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter two. While you're doing that, while you're turning to Isaiah chapter two and verse two, they're putting that on the screen. Let me just make a couple of uh, a little bit of a shameless plug for some resources. I have a book back there. Some of you that have been around might remember when I preached Hooperman. Anybody remember Hooperman? A few of you do. Um, if you were here, it might have traumatized you. I ripped my shirt off, um, but I did have a shirt on underneath it, similar to Superman. But hooper is the Greek word that takes, like super or hyper in English, that takes anything beyond itself. And how many of you know God wants to take us into a life beyond limits? God wants us to live a life like we've never known before. And so this little book has principles of faith, and really, if you're talking about faith in difficult times, that's what this book is about. It's about how to overcome adversity. I tell my story of a cleft lip and palate, how I was born with severe impediment in my mouth. I was never supposed to be able to speak, but by God's grace, before I turned 50, I preached in over 50 nations of the earth and trained face-to-face over 100,000 pastors and leaders all by the grace of God. I'm just... Get, why don't you girls give that to somebody? Raise your hand if you want it, and you're close enough, they can give it to you. Uh, I, and then my wife has a book called Hooper Woman, which is a lot thicker than mine. <laughs> mine you can have it. I like it. I like it. Don't wait to be asked. Just say, I'll take it. I love that. My wife has more words than I have. Because women talk more than men. But that book, those books, both of them, tens of thousands of copies have gone all over the world. I would highly suggest you get them. Uh, all the recommendations on Hooper Woman are for men like Stuart Bell and Tony Miller and Jeff Lucas and many others, but the, the, the principles in them will bless you. If you buy both of them, I think they'll give you a sermon series. We have lots of sermon series back there. Uh, this one's on Psalms 23. It's an eight-week series where I... I go through and exegete every verse in Psalms. There's one on faith. Uh, I teach Mark eleven twenty three, the mountain, and Mark eleven twenty three probably differently than you've ever heard it. And then we also have a USB that has over forty sermons on it. It's basically everything God has spoken to me in the last nine or ten months. So please avail yourself to those. If you get those resources, if they don't bless you, they'll bless me. So please. It is. I don't want to overemphasize the fact that you need to get them, but it is the will of God for your life. Just kidding. Just kidding. Is it okay if we have fun this morning? Good. That's the only way I know how to do it. Isaiah chapter 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. That's interesting that a mountain could be on top of mountains and nations flow to it, but... Uh, Things flow up in the kingdom because the kingdom is upside down. Verse 3, many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord to Jerusalem. You see a picture here of a mountain. The mountain of the Lord. As I begin to pray, and today I'm going to unpack a bit of a prophetic word for you that I believe is going to tie into your term series quite well at the end, but you'll have to stay with me because I'm going somewhere. And rather than just preaching a message today, I'm going to unpack this prophetic word for you. Is that okay? And then I'm going to give specific application, I believe, to this house and this nation and and where we're at here. Our text is calling for us to go up higher. How many of you know that in the kingdom of heaven, there's a call upward? The journey in God is always upward. It's always higher. It's always to ascend. So God is saying, let's go up. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go up. You could say it this way. We're in a season to go up to a new level. I've come to prophesy to somebody today that there's a new level coming to this house. Now, let me try that over here. I said there's a new level coming to this house. Hallelujah. You've done everything you could do at the previous level, and God is saying it's time to go up. I have a photo, a picture, if they could put up the picture of the mountain This is the Matterhorn, and the Matterhorn, if you were going to climb that mountain, you would not go straight up it. You would would have to go around or at least zigzag, but for our purposes, we'll talk about going around the mountain. Sometimes in life, it feels like we're just going around a mountain, but what we don't realize is as we're going around the mountain, we're not staying at the foot. We're actually ascending, and every time, we're going up to another level. We go around again and we go up again. We go around again and we go up again. We go around again and we're a little higher. And we go around again and we're a little higher, but the problem is while we're looking at the journey and we're in the middle of the journey, we don't realize because we see how far we have to go, we don't realize how far we've come. But I came this morning all the way from Texas to tell somebody in South Africa, you may not be where you thought you would have been. You may not be everywhere you thought that you would be by now, but baby, you are not where you were and God God is taking you to another level. If you were to to, to look at the mountain again as you you climb that mountain, when you get to the top, you reach what we call the summit. What happens when you reach the summit? Where are you going to go from there? Well, when you reach the summit, you go over the top. There's only one place to go, and that's over the top of the mountain. Here's my word for you. Here's my prophetic word. Hatfield Christian Church, it's time to go over the top. When you go over the top, there's new horizons, there's new possibilities, there's new realms, there's new things, everything becomes new. And there's, you, you actually begin again because you've been climbing, but now once you go over the top of that mountain, everything becomes new. See, first you stepped in, then you stepped up, but, and you've been stepping up and stepping up and stepping up. But today, I'm prophesying today is the day to step over. Somebody say, I'm going over the top. Many of you, I, I, I feel in my spirit, you came to the, you've been to the verge. You've been close to the summit, but, but, but the, the battle's gotten weary and you've gotten tired and the enemy wants you to go back down the mountain, but I've come to preach And to prophesy to you today, to give you the courage and the faith to say, I will not shrink back, but I'm going over. I'm going over. We're not quitters. I said, this house is not quitters. God's taking us to a new level. When you go over the top, your previous ceiling becomes your floor. We were talking about a mountain. Let's switch to, to this building. If you were to go on top of this building, at the point you get over the top, what used to limit you now becomes your foundation. So do you realize that when you go over the top, the most that you used to make becomes the least that you make? The most salvations you experience before become normal and just the foundation. The most miracles and healings become the least. And I sense God's taking this house to that place. When I I went to to England and began to share this prophetic word about going over the top, they didn't really, well, actually, before I went, I was arguing with God. I said, God, they're not going to like that. Because Brits don't like the phrase over the top. Actually, they use it a lot, but it's always negative. And it's usually about Americans. Spit over the top, don't you think? Spit O-T-T. They shorten it O-T-T. And and, and it's usually about how Americans are over the top. And I thought, why do they not like this phrase? Why do Brits, and and actually I told the Lord, I said, they're not going to like this prophetic word. He said, well, I didn't ask them. So I want you to give it to them. And so, so I did, and actually they did love it. But I realized one of the reasons that it's negative is if you trace the roots of the phrase, it goes back to the Second World War when the Nazi Germans were, were closing in on, on the English forces. And they were in the trenches. They were in the foxholes. And it's the only other place I've read in recorded history where men sweat blood like bullets As Jesus did in Gethsemane because of the pressure of, if I get out of this foxhole, I'm going to die. If I come out of here, death is imminent. And the commander would come into the foxhole and he would say, boys, it's time to go over the top. And they knew it meant come out of here, go over and attack the enemy. But everything in you says, don't do it. And God, it just, when, when I saw that, I realized then later in the 60s and 70s, it became an, a, a negative, it took on a negative connotation in Britain because it was like, you would be crazy to do that. It's outrageous. It's insane. It's not normal. It's not, it's not, it's not clear thinking. Why would you go over the top? So, so it became, oh, that's a bit over the top in a negative sense. But it dawned on me that originally it wasn't negative, it was just fearful. And actually, it was courageous to overcome that fear and come out of what's safe, what's normal, what's reasonable, what's acceptable, and go over the top and face the enemy. And God said, Dwayne, I want you to go. And today he sent me on assignment. And he said, I want you to tell Hatfield Christian Church That King Jesus, General Jesus, has come into the foxhole. And he said, boys, ladies, gentlemen, it is time to go over the top. Don't worry about dying because Galatians 2.20 says you were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I will not stay here. I'm going over the top. I'm sorry, I can't preach it with any more passion than that. That's all I got. In America, there's a minimalist movement, minimalism, where, where you, you shrink everything down and they, everybody's buying tiny houses. They, like, fit right here. It's a closet, basically. And everything fits in your tiny house. And and, and you get two pairs of shoes and, and two trousers, and, and they're black and brown, and, you know, everything's the same. You don't have to worry about max, matching things. Two shirts. And it... And I understand it sounds righteous, but but then it dawned on me, God's not a minimalistic God. He's an over-the-top God. God's not a minimalist. The cross was not minimalistic. Jesus didn't say, could I, could I, oh, the cross is a bit OTT, don't you think? Could I take three stripes instead of 39? Could I drop a couple of Could have a near-death experience. No, Jesus gave it all. It's called outrageous grace. Or we could say out, we could say over-the-top grace. So if God provides over-the-top grace, how about us responding with over-the-top faith? Now, watch this. Grace. And faith are heaven's power twins. Grace provides something, and faith reaches from the seen to the unseen and pulls what grace provided into the now. Come on, come on. So, so, but here's the thing. Faith cannot access what grace has not provided. If God doesn't provide it, it don't matter how much faith you got. You ain't getting it. But, if, but grace won't manifest without a response from faith. So, so if, But the response of faith needs to match the provision of grace. So if God provides outrageous grace, he's looking for somebody that has some outrageous faith. They got to go together. I I think it's time to go over the top. How about what are some areas we could go over the top in? How about over the top praise? That's not very over the top. <laughs> let, me, let me see. I, here's what we, we think. It's not my personality. So I, I praise like this. I, I'm not a full hand raiser. I'm a half a hand raiser. I do the helicopter. what about somebody that gets like David that says when the presence of God came back in he danced right down to his underwear and his wife said what are you going to do about that what are you doing David a king shouldn't act like that he said woman I'll get more undignified than this I believe there's somebody in this house for about 10 seconds ought to stand up and give God praise like he's done something great That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right, sit down. You're getting over the top. How about some over the top preaching? Some of you say you're already doing that. Oh no, no, no. You ain't seen nothing yet. I, I'm listen. I'm tired of sermonettes with three hymns and two hers and a poem people scared to preach the truth i believe god's raising up a generation of preachers who will declare the truth with signs and wonders following the foolishness of pre in england they'll say that was a nice talk i'll say i haven't been talking i've been preaching my guts out for 40 minutes listen i'm not mad i'm just passionate how about how about over the top prayers see most people pray till they get through I think God's looking for somebody to pray till they get a breakthrough. How about over-the-top serving? Wait a minute, Dwayne. Stop right there. What what, what are you talking about? How about some over-the-top serving? Where you get on the the schedule, the the rota. I don't know what we call it here. In England, they call it a rota. We call it a schedule. Schedule the breath say once a month or maybe you've been serving once a month and you decide to serve twice a month or yea, verily thou goest thrice or heaven forbid Just stop I got to sit down this is too much that's a bit over the top I know what if the mark of this house was over the top serving I believe it already is but what if we went took our over the top over the top we could go on all day but let me give you the one I want to focus on for the remainder of my time how about over the top giving Or, oh, outrageous generosity. God is a God that by grace has been so generous. So what if by faith we reached into the grace God's provided in our giving? Money should be the first area we go over the top in. Why? Because it's most important? No, the Bible says it's least, but the Bible says if you can't get that right, then how are you going to take care of the stuff that really matters? See, money is like a barometer spiritually. We have thermometers, they read the temperature, barometers read the atmosphere. A lot of people give based on the temperature. In other words, if if things are going well, if I get a raise, if I got plenty of money, then I give. But real true kingdom giving is a barometer, and it tells me your spiritual atmosphere. And your giving can change atmospheres. The woman who broke her alabaster box changed the atmosphere with her giving. There's over 2,000 scriptures on stewardship. There's about 500 on faith and 500 on love. So God talks four times more about giving and stewardship than he does on love. Radical, outrageous, over-the-top generosity is a major mark of true kingdom living. And every major move of God in history was accompanied by irrational generosity. God's invitation by grace to next level living demands a response of next level giving. Let me say that again. God's invitation to next level living demands a response of next level giving. How many of you want to go to the next level in your living? Nobody? How about you'd like to go to the next level in your finances? God's already provided it. He's just waiting for you to respond to the invitation. But here's where we get messed up. We look around at the economy and get freaked out. We look around at circumstances and wonder, can I do it? Or we start arguing stupid theological debates. We start saying, well, maybe we tithe to the penny." Or to the, the, the fraction. So my tithe is 21 and a half ran. Go ahead and round up to 22. It's okay. Or, or maybe, maybe we're still stuck in the debate of, well, well, tithing is under the old covenant and I'm under the new covenant. So I'm free from all of that. Well, um, let me help you. There's a hermeneutical law of exegesis of scripture called the law of first mention. You take where something is first mentioned and you look at it and you see a principle that goes all throughout history. Abraham, first the first mention of tithing was Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a type and shadow of Jesus. So anything that would have happened to Jesus that Amanda did to Jesus, we would do under the new covenant. Abraham did that before the law, so since it was before the law, it transcends the law. So the law then instituted tithing, not as the beginning, but it was a it was following to what Abraham had done in the beginning. Other people then say, well, he only gives spoils of war one time. We don't, we don't know that because then his grandson tithed when he had an encounter with God. And so evidently, Abraham had passed it on to his son who passed it on to his grandson. And then in Hebrews, it says that you pay tithes to men, but Jesus receives tithes in heaven. And Jesus also said, you tithe and you should do that. It's a good thing. So I could go on all day. Then, then, then people say, well, well wh- wh- what about the first time giving was ever mentioned? Well, that was Cain and Abel. One gave of their fruit. The other one gave the best and the first fruit and the choice. Some people say one was vegetables and one was meat and God didn't like vegetables. I kind of agree with that. I think God's a carnivore, not a vegetation. But anyway, I don't think that's the theological point. I think the theological point is this. That, that we give our first and we give our best and God accepts that. But while we're debating that, Jesus lived a different model. And we're forgetting something. That grace never is less. Grace never calls me to live less. Grace calls me to live more. Grace empowers me not to live a life of sin. Grace empowers me to do more than anything the law that I couldn't even do under the minimum requirement of the law. Are you with me? So so here's the thing. Jesus says, okay, you're going to squabble over 10%. Let's go over the top. If you have two coats, give one. That's 50%. So if you don't like tithing, just go to 50%. People say, well, in the New Testament, we should just be led by the Spirit. Just be led by the Spirit. Okay, you pray and let the Spirit lead you, add up what you give, and I'll guarantee you it'll be more than 10% because God's not gonna ask you to do less under grace than He did under the law. Is everybody doing okay? Listen, my wife says smile when you say difficult things. I'm smiling. She said, it's like putting sugar on the spinach. It helps it go down. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, what we're really coming to is that God owns it all. Has anybody ever heard of Dunkin' Donuts? Dunkin' Donuts, you know, they sell donuts and nice coffees. And my friend J. John tells the story of a guy that Went into a Dunkin' Donuts, he's a businessman, and he was in a hurry, He bought his donuts and his coffee, and he went and he sat down, and he sits down there, and, and he, he, he puts his stuff on there, and, and he puts his bag beside him, pulls up his laptop, and he's working, and all of a sudden, someone that comes and sits by him, they said, oh, the place is full, can I sit there? He said, sure. In a minute, the person reaches over and pulls a donut out of his bag, it's sitting right here, it's like sitting here, pulls a donut out of his bag, and starts eating it. And he thinks, what are you doing? That's my donut. So he pulls the bag in front of him. The guy reaches over, pulls that donut, another donut out of the bag, and starts eating it. He's like, dude, that's my donuts. So he takes the bag and puts them in his lap like this, and he's working on his computer. And the guy has the audacity to reach over into his lap. It's very awkward. Pulled out another donut, and he thinks, right, I've had it. I'm not letting you steal my donuts anymore. So he closes his laptop, puts it down, puts it in his bag, and realizes his bag of donuts are set right there. The donuts on the table were not his. They were the other guys. That guy was not stealing his donuts. He was sharing. God is not trying to take your stuff. It's all his stuff. God owns all the donuts. And while we're debating over tithing, God says it's all mine and I'm calling you to a higher level of living. Hallelujah. I was in Bujumbura, Burundi, and I watched a pastor give everything he had one day in an offering. He, he gave his pen, he gave his Bible, he gave his belt, he gave his outer shirt, he had an undershirt on, he gave his shoes, he gave his socks. He gave everything he had and could stay clothed. And finally he said, I have nothing else to give, so he crawled up in the basket and said, Jesus, I give you everything. That pastor, a few years later, he walked home on rocks for two hours during the war, Risking his life. But a few years later, God called him to be a missionary. And now he's planted a church that's thriving. But I believe that his sowing and his faith propelled him into another dimension. See, here's what I've come to realize. You sow where you want to go. Every time God wants to take you to a new level of living, you need to increase by faith. To a new level of giving. You don't sow where you are. You sow where you're going. You don't sow based on your circumstances. Or the economy. You, base, you sow to change your circumstances. You don't sow based on what the nation says about money. You sow according to kingdom economy. Rachel, one of the young ladies that's with us, before she ever went on a mission trip, she's a social worker works part time at the church now. But long before she was on staff at the church, long before she went on her first mission trip, she not only tithed 10%, but she saved 10%. And she would sew and she was making a way for, for she was putting aside a, an account to have money for missions and for years she was for, for over a year she set that money aside getting ready and then finally she got to go on her first mission trip then a second missions trip and then this year when the Lord said go over the top she went over the top she spent 20% of her year on, in missions and God has supplied miraculously for her to do it at 24 years old Yeah But if God can do that in a 24-year-old, what can he do in you no matter what age you are? See, we don't sow for what's now. We sow for what's next. There's a cry in the earth right now for what is next. Chris and I, in every stage of our life, somebody can come and begin to, Mike, you can tickle those fake ivories. Just just pretend they're real. Every season of our life, when God was calling us to another level, he always challenges us to a new level of giving. In 1999, the Lord challenged us to a new level of giving, and Chris and I gave away 35% of our income. It stretched us to no end, but the, we had no idea the very next year our spiritual parents would lay hands on us and we would start Beyond These Shores, a missions organization that we've worked with and then now been in 50 nations, trained over 100,000 pastors and leaders, been all over the world. It all began with supernatural sacrificial giving. In, in the Great Depression, Amy Simple McPherson built Angelese Temple and paid cash with it during the Great Depression. And today, the Dream Center with Matthew Barnett meets in that great building because it's a sign that even during a depression, there's always a move of God. A few years ago, when we got ready to, we'd been a church for eight years and God miraculously provided a building, we just had to pay for it. Chris and I gave the largest offering we had ever given, and we, we, I mean, it had a lot of zeros, and it scared us, and we sowed that offering, moved into the building, and then two years later, we're remodeling, we're busy remodeling this building, and so the, the Lord challenged us again this year to sew. and so I, I pray, and Chris prayed, it's something we, we always do that, I pray, she prays. And if we get the same number, it's confirmation. If we get two different numbers, we always give the largest one because that means that person heard God because the devil will never tell you to give more money. And so I prayed and got a number. Chris prayed and got a number, and it was matching the largest offering we'd ever given two years ago. And so I thought, great. And I'm in the shower one day and praying, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Dwayne, you got it wrong. What do you mean we got it wrong? He said, well, you got a number, and Chris got a number. I said, I know, God. I got a number, Chris got a number, same number. That means we got it right. He said, no, you got it wrong. I said, God, you don't understand how this works. I pray, I get a number, Chris prays, she gets a number, and if it's the same number, that's you. And he said, usually that's the case, but not this time. Your number was for you, and her number was for her. I want you to add them together. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Actually, I didn't because I knew that it was God. And we didn't know how, but we gave the largest offering, double the largest offering we'd ever given. I wish I could tell you I got a check in the mail for a million dollars. But actually, the retaining wall behind my brand new house fell down and cost me more money than I'd just given. The church went through some, some things where uh, after our remodel, there, the, we, we, there was way much overruns on the costs, and, and, and it cost a lot more than we thought, and then our air conditioners broke, and it was going to be, we, were, we had a two million rand swing in a week. Two million rand sucked out of our account, and in a, in a moment, it looked like we were done. But you know what I did? I've learned a long time ago, you sow where you want to go. So I sowed even more. I couldn't, I didn't have enough to give the same amount again, but I sowed something and I sowed something significant. And our church kept sowing, and Beyond These Shores kept sowing, and our network kept sowing, and personally we kept sowing. Because I'm going to change atmospheres with my giving, not read the temperature. With my giving. Mike and Shander Novisky, I preached a message called Consumers and Producers at their church years ago. After it was over with, Mike said, went home and told Shandra, we suck. It's a great husband, isn't it? We suck. She said, what do you mean? He said, we've been pro- consumers. We're going to be producers. And so he, they, they said, we're going to sew something. And she said, I want to give my wedding dress. So she took her wedding dress and put it on the altar. What she didn't realize, there was a young lady in the church that was believing to get married but couldn't afford a wedding dress. People started putting money on the, on the dress. It was enough money to send her back to Mexico to get married with her husband and make it legal and bring him back to America. And that woman today is in ministry at that church. But here's the thing. Not only did that giving change her, Mike and Shandra are in Africa today, I believe, because they broke that consumer mentality. And they lived by faith then and every day since then. Yeah, you can give God a hand. Listen. My time is gone, but I just, I just want to say one more thing. We, we get it backwards. Ecclesiastes says there's seed, time, and harvest. We think of that as seed. I sow a seed, and then there's time, and God takes that seed and turns it into a harvest. But we don't understand. God sees the end from the beginning, so here's how it works in the kingdom. God creates a harvest, and he's waiting through time until somebody sows a seed. So listen, my, my seed doesn't begin God's process. It ends God's process because grace already provided it. But my faith in giving is the thing that unlocks What God has already done. Listen, I'm telling you, you don't sow for what's now. You sow for what's next. And by faith, what, what, ah, by faith, you reach in and grab what has already been provided and bring it into the now. So listen, my time is gone, but I have a question. Hat-filled Christian church. Are you ready to go over the top? If you are, stand to your feet, lift your hands, and give God praise. Come on, come on, come on.